Looking to expand your playlist? Well, Fat Lowell's Radio has got you covered. Lose your religion with Reverend Jess and Deacon Sam over on the Church Absurd. Hear nerd culture get dissected on the Fickle Fanboy with RPM. Get drunk at the round table with the designated drinkers. Hear solid and interesting interviews on Unseriously Serious. Do you want to get involved? Send your rant over to the League of Infuriated Nerds. Also, check out the Fat Lulz Radio Associated shows. Get your not-safe-for-work talk radio fix on The Robin Slim Show. Get some life advice from Jerry and Cal on From the Bottom. All of these shows and more await you at Fat Lulz Radio. You can find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, and various podcast apps, as well as our website, fatlulzradio.us. HTTP, not HTTPS. We hope you enjoy the smorgasbord of shows we have prepared for you. Fat Lulz Radio, stuff full of entertainment. You're listening to The Fickle Fanboy, brought to you by Fat Lulz Radio. You say I'm insane! I say thank you very much! I do And it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Now you think! <laughs> I'm gonna tell you! With a tear in my eye! I'm gonna kick your ass! Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fickle Fanboy, the show with so much raw, unrefined, pure, organic badassery, we can't even fucking contain it. And, uh, to help me on this journey, the man who, the only way that he can get laid is to crawl up a chicken's ass and wait, Reverend Jess. Oh, you didn't know? Hey, 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 I've already used that uh, this season, uh, we, you know. <laughs> you have an oh, you didn't know quota that you can't go past? Well, now I do. I just made it up. <laughs> it's good to it's good to know we have some consistency and, and good formatting. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know about good. I mean, that's a little, that's taking it too far, but, you know, whatever. I'd say even mildly acceptable is putting it a little too far for you. Uh, basically. But, you know, after our, uh, mini-movie debate last time... Which you're still fucking wrong about. Uh, that's neither here nor there, and let's just say agree to disagree. But I thought that it'd be a hell of a time to give these fuckers a taste of a, a little bit of a claim and shame. Right on. I can appreciate that. So it's an easy day for me, basically. Because <laughs> that's the one thing your listeners don't understand, is I will always find some way to relate shit to movies. I am I am a movie whore. I am a fucking movie whore. See, now you're just insulting whores. I mean, I, you know, whores do very valuable work. They keep Michael Bay from just going more insane than he already has. <sighs> Fucking Bay. Are we are we already going into Bay territory now? Oh shit. I'm just not drunk enough to talk about Michael yet, so uh you know, but 
as we all do, you and I went through uh, that special time so many years ago that we call fan puberty. Ah, uh, fan puberty. You know, the social anxiety, the Star Wars prequels, and uh, the god-awful remix of those wonderful films that we love that got it right the first time and should never have been touched ever, 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 fucking ever again. And we are not saying that all remakes are bad, but we are saying that most remakes are bad. No, I mean, and, you know... uh, It depends on the level of remake. I mean, yes, you have reboots, which a reboot can be warranted. Yeah, if if the Amazing Spider-Man movies hadn't have happened, I would be more accepting of the Spider-Man that's now involved in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah. And even some, some rehashing of a story for a, say, a new generation. I can stomach oh, for sure. that. I mean, and, and and that's not a new thing, but most people don't go for the full-on reboot or remake. A lot of people will just factor it into future sequels, like, for example, with Revenge of the Nerds. You had Revenge of the Nerds, and then Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise, and then Revenge of the Nerds 3, which was The Next Generation, which which I will give them props on that because they weren't wasting somebody's time just calling it Revenge of the Nerds. You know what I mean? But... That aside, that aside, where I was going with all that is, that's what we're looking at today. If you don't fuck it up this time. Oh, you know what? I'm never going to let you live that down. You're going to regret making me your co-host. Is your family tree uh, a cactus by any chance? Because if they're anything like you, they're all pricks. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, I mean, you know, the one part of my family tree is the serial killers, so (laughs) if you want context for that, listen to the last episode, Comic Books You Should Read Before You Die. Yes. Yes. Uh, You know, but, uh, I mean, let's move on. Okay. All right. So we're so today we're talking reboots, remakes, all that type of shit. And you know what? We're talking about the ones that either shouldn't have been touched or should never be touched. And it's just it's it's going to be a fun time. So if anything, you know, you guys should all get excited, you know, sit down, you know, crack open a nice bottle of whiskey and remember the horrible memories of watching this shit. Yes. And when thinking of movies that should either not have been touched or never be touched in their naughty bits. I think that, frankly, the best place to start is everything since the prequels in the Star Wars trilogy. And I'm talking Rogue One, Solo, and on down the line, because even this new trilogy as a whole we did. We barely needed the prequels, let alone a whole new trilogy. We didn't need the prequels. Nothing happened in the prequels. No, I mean, literally nothing has happened that should not and could not have been told in the EU and just left the fuck alone. But here's the thing, okay? They are way too profitable. I mean, literally every single time there's a new 
Blu-ray set or, you know, when when he did the special editions in 1997 and then the DVD editions in 2004 and 2006. It's always been profitable from that original trilogy. And Lucas had nothing else, really. You know what I mean? He had Indiana Jones, but once the fucking Last Crusade happened, there was nothing for that. You know what I mean? At least until Kingdom of Crystal Souls, which we pretend didn't happen. So realistically, they could have never been touched, but there was, it was inevitable that they would have been. I mean, it got to a point where anything that was coming out as far as Star Wars, there would be just endless, endless toy lines about it. Don't even get me started on 97, because for the last 22 years since then, George and just about everyone has done nothing more than fuck us up the ass with a big old CGI dildo. I I disagree. I disagree. There's only, I'll, I'll be honest, and, and you know what, I might get shit for saying this, but I, I really don't, it really, you know, it doesn't bother me. Because you got to understand, you are a little bit older than I am, right? So my first experience with Star Wars was 1997. I grew up on the special editions, right? Oh, you poor bastard. Well, but but my point is, even when I went back and rewatched the theatrical editions, the only thing that ever truly bothered me was taking Boba Fett's original voice away. Oh, I, I, I was going to guess Jar Jar or... Um... No, 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 no. Jar, that's different. That's the, I'm, I'm talking in terms of the special editions. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're talking about your, your first real bite into the franchise yeah. altogether. Yeah, because literally, like, that's what bothered me the most about it because you're taking away a dude's really memorable performance. The original voice of fucking Boba Fett is a lot creepier and a lot more sinister than the fucking Kiwi that played Jango Fett. And by dubbing over his lines, you're stealing a man's performance away. Even though it's just his voice that's performing, you're still stealing his fucking performance away from him, which is fucked up. So, like, that's the only thing that ever really bothered me about the special editions was because the only, like, granted, I will be the first to admit it is George Lucas jerking himself off and making people buy movies that were not culturally relevant anymore until 1997 so because 1997 comes along george lucas is like oh well i could do stuff to it and uh resell it and be a, a billionaire again and granted it worked but i will say that all the shit that he adds is just him attempting world building which is you know it's fine i guess but at the end of the day i'm not too bothered by it you know no, and, you know it's funny that you mentioned things like uh, Boba Fett's voice, because it kind of reminded me of the one thing that I wasn't too bothered by, and, you know, and it's one that people do tend to kind of nitpick at, you know, uh, but taking Ian... In Empire? Yeah. Well, yeah, because the, the first adaptation of the Emperor looked like a fucking melted Muppet. He, he really kind of did, yeah. But going back to the original point, should they not have been touched? Maybe, but I will say that them being touched was inevitable. Yeah, okay. I, I will give you that it was inevitable 
going forward and getting prequels and a new trilogy and, you know, things like uh, Solo. I mean, I wish all that shit was better, but I'll give you that it was inevitable. However, I will say this. The original trilogy shouldn't have been touched because, yes, you get things that we aren't too bothered by. And, you know, it does become a thing of taking the good of the bad. But then the bad is also things like that lounge singer or whatever the, whatever the hell that was in Jabba's Palace. Yeah, I'll admit there's no excuse for that. I mean, if I have to, if I have to scrap 97 and everything that I wasn't butthurt by just to get rid of shit like that, I will say the original trilogy should have been left the fuck alone and George should have just put all of his focus on the prequels, which obviously he didn't, and anything going forward in order to be able to fix the things that he wanted to fix, rather than going into the actual films themselves and screwing with them. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I mean, but he's not the only person to do it. Other people have done it. They just, you know, were more discreet about it. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not that hard to be more discreet about it. But, like, look how many times Ridley Scott has recut Blade Runner. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, okay, good point, good point. But... I will say that the final cut of Blade Runner is the best version of that movie. Yeah, uh, I will concede to that absolutely. And keep in, and keep in mind, you're talking to somebody who who owns every single cut, and the final cut is the best one. It would be more apt to say that you own every cut of damn near every movie ever made. Not yet. <laughs> I'm working on. <laughs> eh, it. Give it time. Give it time. It's it's a it's a it's a long process, and. Uh, Here's the thing, okay, because it's not just cuts, right? Like, I have, like, there's a couple of uh, spots in my shelf that are occupied by different copies of the same movie. Like, for for example, I have the 2001 DVD pressing of The Warriors, and I also have the 2006 Ultimate Director's Cut. I have Apocalypse Now, and I have Apocalypse Now Redux. I have all of the cuts of Blade Runner, and, you know, on certain things, I'll, I'll have the theatrical version and the director's cut. Like, I'll buy it, and if I can find the theatrical cut, I'll also buy that. Because, like, there are some times where it's a substantial difference. You know what I mean? There, there are times that the theatrical cuts of movies are absolutely, positively the best. One of your prized, or at least, yeah, I, I assume it's one of your prized possessions, because you talk about it enough, is actually on my list of movies that shouldn't have been touched. The Fly. It might be in some people's minds something that shouldn't have been touched. But this was actually, before you get buttered about it, the reason that I put it on the list is actually it is the exception to the rule, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because here's the thing. Number one, you have to factor in this, okay? The best way, in my opinion, to do a remake is if you're going to remake something, you need to remake something that does not work and does not hold up in today's world, right? The original Fly was from, like, the 1950s. And 
it's just about this scientist who gets crossbred with a fly and everything like that. And the extent to which the mutation happens is he has one hand is a fly's hand and his head is a fly's head and the rest of it, his body is is a human body, yeah. right? Now, granted, it that is perfectly fine in 1950-something. That is perfectly fine. But in a modern post-Star Wars world where effects get better and better and, and, and even a post-Evil Dead world where it's shown that effects can be incredible even on a shoestring budget... Which shout out shout out to Evil Dead and that whole trilogy, which is also on the list, shouldn't be touched ever. Yeah, I can agree. I can agree with that. But uh, the thing about Cronenberg's The Fly is, it is a more realistic take on an unrealistic subject. Okay, and number one, Gina Davis is incredible in that film. She is so believable. Especially like and the fact that she's not regarded as a scream queen is unfortunate because that scene where spoiler alert, she has a dream where she gives birth to a giant larva. That's the screaming she's doing in that scene is literally it, it cuts through you. You know what I mean? Like she seems genuinely terrified. And then you have Jeff Goldblum, who is so good in that role of the guy who's a nerd that's trying to be cool oh let's face it any movie he's in that's kind of in one way or another even inadvertently the role he's playing and that's probably just because that's just him and he's just he's a treasure in damn near anything he's in ah ah i i i see you like uh uh jeff goldblum Uh. (laughs) yes 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 i do uh uh uh, well uh, i uh seem to like like him as as well Uh, chaos theory like it like that's the thing like the fly is definitely an exception and you know i mean i will say this this is one of the things that is making me look forward to acclaim and shame so much we have a genuine differentiating of opinions when it comes to what exactly a good movie is there is a a massive difference in my opinion between a film and a movie okay a film is something like schindler's list or the green mile you know what i mean that is a film That is, it's meant to provoke an emotion, it's meant to provoke a reaction, everything like that. A movie is all about entertainment, right? And there is something baffling that happens when someone sets out to make a film, but ends up making a movie. (coughs) Justice League, oh God. Well, but, but, but here's the thing, here's the thing though. I'm thinking more of something like Tommy Wiseau, okay? Tommy Wiseau set out to make a heartbreaking drama. (laughs) It was heartbreaking, all right, but not in the way he wanted. Yeah, because I was laughing so hard that my heart, I went into heart palpitations. But that's the thing. He ended up making a movie, and he ended up buying into his own bullshit because he was just telling people, oh, no, it's intentionally funny. It's a dark comedy. Oh, hi, Mark. And that's the thing. It's like, no, like, you, you fucked up, dude. Just, like, enjoy it. Like, like don't get me wrong. Enjoy your success. But don't claim that it's something that it's not. 
There, there needs to be a gauge. It either needs to be a film, something that provokes an emotion or a response, or it needs to be a movie that is so entertaining that I can look past all of its flaws. You know, and, and I, I completely agree, although I feel like when it comes to the difference for me as far as the difference between a film and a movie, I will say a film is not just one that gives you an emotional response, but it makes you think, you know? For sure. And a movie is that one where you go to shut your brain off, you go to just enjoy the film. And to me, there's too many movies nowadays. Well, and 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 that's that's you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And 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 here's the thing. There are plenty of brilliant films out there okay um you just have to search for them and the problem is yeah definitely not in the mainstream yeah. that's the thing they're they're not literally uh, you, what i was talking about on the last episode about oscar films right and how i think the oscars are meant for films not movies yes. you know what yes. i mean like for example mikhail haneke who is a uh, i think he's i think he's austrian but uh he had a movie called funny games it was marketed completely wrong. It was marketed like a movie. And what that movie is, is it's so disturbing and so fucked up. Because, like, that's the thing. When, when we were talking about uh, the Shining miniseries earlier, the Shining miniseries is very much a situation of trying to be a film when you're a movie. And the, the sad thing is, it's not even new. It's been going on for a long time. Of course, but... of course. For the longest time, we've really only gotten enjoyable movies, at least in the mainstream. You know, I, I can't say much as far as indie films, because when I want a good film, for a long time now, it's that's where I've had to go for the most part. And well, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, as I've pointed out. But, I mean, think about it. Think about how long this has been going on, and how long they've conditioned us to just kind of accept good movies or okay movies as being good films, even treasures, as it were. I mean, look at John Hughes's career. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, here's the thing, okay? I will say, and, and this relates to, to us talking about The Fly, right? The Fly, a lot of people think that it's just a movie. But there is some interesting themes that are explored in that movie. Like, how much of you has to be human for you to be considered human? Yeah. Right? Like, okay, so spoiler warning, if you've never seen the 1986 David Cronenberg film The Fly with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, go watch it now. But when you reach the end and he's the full-on fly monster and she puts him in the uh, teleporter and he messes with the door and he's all fucked up and he's like on the point, like on the precipice of death, right? Yes. There's that moment where his hand reaches out and he grabs the barrel of the gun and puts it to his forehead. That right there indicates that he is still at least a little bit human. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? And like, that's the thing there, there, are, there are themes that are explored. It's not just, it's not something like a Seth Rogen comedy where you reach the end of it and you go, wow, that was crazy credits. You know what I mean? 
like if you're and and like and it's not just dramas that do that or you know like more art housey horror movies that do that it's comedies too the death of stalin political comedy you know what i mean like fucking there's plenty of shit that's explored yeah and, you know and the sad thing is too many people in this world don't realize that in order to change the dynamic you know in in order to flip the whole way about things on its ass is to really vote in a way i mean but vote with your wallet oh yeah for sure like that's the thing and and they need to start doing more research because there are some brilliantly acted films out there that are always billed as movies and and that's and that's the sad state of affairs okay prime example a movie just came out recently hereditary hereditary is one of those movies where it's just like it's not it's not just about ooh spooky ghost in the house you know yeah. what i mean it's literally a fucking like dissection of the human condition and tony collette in that movie is incredible and like that's the thing it it's just the problem is when it comes to remakes, bringing it back around to the actual topic of this week's episode. Oh, that's what we're here for. Oh shit. Right. I'm, I'm sorry guys. We've really got thrown off track here, but uh, bringing it back around to remakes. Most of the time, if you're doing a remake, all you're trying to do is make a movie. Yeah. And he, there, there's just too many okay or enjoyable flicks or uh, movies out there. I mean, if there wasn't a place in the world for enjoyable movies, we wouldn't have the MCU. Oh, agreed. Uh, but uh, but here's the thing, okay? A prime example of a remake that should have never happened. Arthur with Russell Brand. The dynamic between Dudley Moore and I'm blanking on the name, as I, I always tend to do, the uh, older gentleman that played the butler. I mean, that yeah. that aspect alone... That can't be recreated. No, it cannot be recreated, and... And it can definitely not be one-upped. No, never. I mean, this, well, the other thing that can't be one-upped is the amount and the quality of the one-liners. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, like, literally... It's a situation of, like, okay, with the, the problem with the Arthur remake is... We had only been exposed to a certain amount of Russell Brand at that point. We had been exposed to him as Aldous Snow and forgetting Sarah Marshall. And we were exposed to him through his stand-up special. Which he basically played the same fucking character in both of them. Even though the stand-up special was just him being himself. So here's the problem. He is exactly like that in Arthur. There is no, there is no different. It is not Arthur. It's it's Russell Brand. That's the difference between him and Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore was Arthur. In fact, if you see Dudley Moore in anything else, it's hard not to see him as Arthur. This is true. Absolutely, positively true. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's 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 one of those movies that should have been left alone because who was asking for it? El I, I will say this, okay? Well, be, before we move on, I want to challenge our listeners. Just find both versions of Arthur and watch. It's not that hard. Uh, if, you go to, if you go to any flea market, you'll be able to find the Russell Brand one. It'll probably be like 25 yeah. cents. 
but watch both versions and just start from the very beginning of the movie with Dudley Moore all the way up until the point where Dudley Moore is meeting his future father-in-law. And whatever the timestamp says, watch that amount of time of Russell Brand's version. It'll feel like four hours. It's it's like day and night. But okay, I'm I'm sorry. What 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 were you going? Uh... Okay, the the thing about horror flicks when it yes, comes yes. to reboots and remakes, right, is they always will try to one up it, and sometimes they're you know they do shit that just that does make sense and it does improve on it slightly, but it's all it's only ever little things, like for example. The Amityville Horror Remake, which, don't get me wrong, I don't even really care too much for the first one. And and here's the thing, that story is so embellished and it's all bullshit. But anyway, the remake of the Amityville Horror with uh, Ryan Reynolds, they do improve on one thing, and that's instead of a fucking, you know, demonic pig, it's actually a creepy little girl. You know what I mean? But, uh... The one downside is that you have a terrible movie that fixes that. Uh, but, uh, like, in the case of the Evil Dead movie, which I know, like I said, Evil Dead shouldn't have been touched. There was no reason for it to be remade. But I will give them credit because what they did do, they gave a logical reason why they couldn't leave the cabin, which is because the chick is drying out from drugs. And not to mention that they didn't try to... They, they one-upped a couple things. They one-upped the amount of blood, for sure, uh, you know, with that big finale. But the one thing that I'm glad they didn't try to one-up was Bruce Campbell. Yes. I, I will say that was the saving grace. Yeah, like, because, like, don't remember, Like, there are plenty of moments in the Evil Dead remake that do hold up. Is it a bad film? Not in my opinion, but I know some that would beg to differ, yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. It's a bad film, but it's an okay movie. Eh, I, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, here's my thing. There are some moments in that movie that genuinely make me cringe. Like, for example, Lou Taylor Pucci, or whatever his name is, and the fucking hypodermic needle right underneath his eye. That never fails to make me, you know, cringe. You know what Abs- I mean? Absolutely. Goddamn lutely. The one thing that they had a chance to correct, but they, for some reason, didn't, which is ironic because in every single one of the interviews with Sam Raimi, he says he regrets this scene being in there because he felt that it was just for shock, and that and it is 100% what that scene is for, is the fucking tree rape scene. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there was no... like I, I When I watched it for the first time, I was really bummed that they left that in there because Sam Raimi flat out said, like, yeah, I don't know why I put that in there. It's just meant to be shocking, and it is shocking, but it's also in really poor taste. Well, but then again, that's probably why they left it in there, because there's a lot that tends to get into mainstream movies that is just in there for the shock value, or because it's going to get someone's attention, because it is in really poor taste. But there's a way to do that right, and there's a way to do that wrong. Doing something like, for example, uh, the remake of Black Christmas. The remake just turns it into a gory slasher film and everything like that. But then you have the ones that do shock right. Like, for example, 
This isn't a remake, but it's a movie that does a shocking subject right. And it's this movie called Happiness with Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. I fucking love that movie. That movie is incredible. I love it. That right there, that is a prime example of how to do shock in a film and do it right. If you can find it, which go on go on Amazon, you could probably find a used copy of it. Uh, but like it was never released on Blu-ray. You can't buy it digitally. Like it's it's fucking obscure. Um but goddamn, like you like that's a movie that does the shock aspect right. But doing it wrong, where all you do is rely on the shock, is something in terms of like the last house on the left remake. Yeah. I'm sitting there watching that and you know, I, I, I had seen the theatrical cut and years later I bought the unrated cut, right? And I'm I'm just hoping for a little bit more gore. Or whatever, you know, stuff that was a little too far for an R rating. And it says, you know, there's 15 minutes of extra footage. Well, unfortunately, the majority of that extra footage is the fucking rape scene. And, like, I'm sorry, but I can't, I don't enjoy watching rape scenes. I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I really don't know anyone who does, but... And And that's the thing. There is a couple movies that use it as a catalyst, and it's flat out just what that movie is about. Like uh, the French film Irreversible. And then you have movies like, for example, Teeth, which, I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit I have Teeth in my DVD shelf because because uh, of it's, it's just one of those films where it just like it stands out because it's literally a horror movie about a chick with teeth in her vagina. But like the whole reliance on a rape scene to shock and it just it that was the same issue I had with Sons of Anarchy when I was watching it. For some reason, Kurt Sutter really likes to see his wife get raped in TV shows. Yeah. But like that's the thing. Like it it is as far as like, you know, the one thing I will give credit for is, you know, and this is not related to the shock discussion, but uh the one thing I will give credit for is when someone goes out of their way to protect their film from being remade. Well, it, before we go into that, I was just going to say, you know, I had a quick list uh, that I was just going to run down of movies that really kind of speak for themselves as to why they're on the list. A lot of horror movie remakes are, are on there for sure. The Grudge. Carry because I mean the only reason that speaks for itself is because twice is fucking enough. In fact, that's two times too many. Agreed, agreed. I I I don't care. Hit girl couldn't save that. No, movie. no. And and then you have Friday the Thirteenth and fucking Nightmare on Elm Street because I mean you, it's just the, to me they went to the well on Nightmare on Elm Street even in the original format one too many times. Once you had the power glove and shit. Yeah, there's no excuse for there's no excuse for uh, Freddy having six movies. It should have been three movies and then Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah, or or even things like you know when it comes to Jason, Jason X. Fuck that. Oh yeah, fuck Jason X. But I I do have to give the Nightmare remake one bit of credit. It made Freddy scary again. Yeah, but then you have things like um, Big Lebowski. Uh, I, I also had, just to round it out real quick, and then we'll move on, Doom, which, because straight-to-DVD Annihilation is just too much. I think it, I, I'll be honest, I think it has potential. Because here's the thing, 
number one, I respect that they're putting out direct to DVD because they know that it's not going to be a fucking contender for film, you know, best picture. That right there tells me that they are well aware of the movie they're trying to make, which is a B movie. You know what I mean? And as long as it has the fucking Doom Slayer kicking ass, I, you know, I don't have an issue with it. You know, the other one I had, and this is the last on the list of, you know, movies that speak for themselves, except for ones I want to talk about a little bit more in depth, at least. Time Bandits, which is actually, I know it is going to be a series, but I'm still fucking counting it. I can see that. Yeah, Time Bandits just should not be touched. Well, that's the thing, though. The Time Bandits is very much a product of its time. But that's the same reason I'm not mad about Jordan Peele's uh, new version of The Twilight Zone. Because, I mean, literally, the first version of The Twilight Zone is a product of its time. And it don't get me wrong, does it still hold up? Do I still enjoy those episodes? Do I have the complete series on Blu-ray? Absolutely, yes, I do. But I will say that it, you know, some of that shit does not play for a, mo- you know, a, mar- a modern world. You have to understand that it's a product of its time. So with the Time Bandits, that's one of those situations where I understand it's a product of its time. Should they call it the Time Bandits as a series? No, I think that's a blatant cash grab. But then again, that's not the first time they've done that. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like it's, you know, like you said, it speaks for itself. Shouldn't have been touched, but, you know, fuck Hollywood. They're going to do, the, you know, because fuck Hollywood. I mean, Disney owns everything. Nothing matters. We're all going to die. <laughs> the, the, these are all inevitabilities, but, you know, yeah. Uh, before I go to this next one, did you have any other horror movies on your list? Because I have just a, a few others that I want your thoughts on. As as far as horror movies, yeah, uh, the Cabin Fever 2016 remake where they literally change fucking nothing. And they even took out some of the more, you know, fucking enjoyable parts that had the cheese factor to it. Like, for example, the kid randomly doing karate before he bites the dude on the hand. And that movie still holds up. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not a good movie by any any stretch of the imagination. But then again, nothing Eli Roth puts out is quote-unquote no, exceptional. I mean, a, a lot of Hollywood, and horror movies included, have all kind of, in my opinion, just gotten lazy. Because there's really, when you look at things like Stanley Kubrick's Shining, which Shelley Duvall is just, <laughs> the fear on her face most times is, to me, it feels genuine. And well, it is genuine because Stanley Kubrick basically bullied her on oh, set. Well, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, there's just, there's nothing on par with that anymore when it comes to today's films. I I don't know. As far as, like, genuine terror, I wouldn't say in, in terms of, like, a horror movie, but... Uh, There is moments, uh, like exceptional moments in modern film that do exhibit pure terror. And a prime example of that is No Country for Old Men. Like, seriously, man, like the coin toss scene with the guy behind the counter at the gas station. That scene alone, there is so many contributing factors to that scene where that scene is so tense that no matter how many times you watch it, you will still be tense in that moment when you're watching it. Because everything from 
the soft but sinister voice of Javier Bardem to the genuine terror that is on the face of that guy because he doesn't know what's going to happen. And that, that, that sigh of relief that he gives when Javier Bardem takes his hand off the coin and, it, and it's actually heads. Like that right there, that is so, so effective. And the, especially the fact that they don't play any music in that scene. It's just the static audio and ambient noise of that gas station. Like, t- that is so fucking you know, effective. There's just so many little things in movies can be effective. In a good movie. Well, yeah. But think about even some of the editing choices that they really chose to apply to things like Event Horizon. Oh, God. That is the most bittersweet thing in my life. That, uh, that That's kind of why I brought it up. But um... No, seriously, like, Event Horizon... It is not a good movie. No. But it has potential to be. Okay? Here's the issue, right? The story of Event Horizon is one of a movie that was meant to be NC-17, but the studio said it had to be R-rated. Everything in that movie is building up to a climax that we never got to see. The scene where all that shit is flashing in front of that dude's eyes. All of that shit, if you pause it and go frame by frame, you will see some of the most disturbing imagery you have ever seen in your life. Okay? And for me, that's saying something. (laughs) Yeah. But here's the thing. Everything that flashes in front of that dude's eyes was an original scene. It was a full-length scene. But it was too fucked up, so they cut it out of the movie. And we're talking about, like, 40 minutes of film. Because the original cut of Event Horizon is, like, two and a half hours long. And they cut it down to, like, an hour and 40 minutes. And you would think... You know, they can just grab the scenes and, you know, insert it and put it out as an unrated director's cut, right? No, they can't do that. Why? Because the fucking geniuses stored the fucking negatives for that scene in a salt mine and they're destroyed. So literally what we have is a movie that is 40 minutes shorter than it was intended to be. We just have a piece of a film, and that piece of the film makes no fucking sense. And it is just, it is so disheartening because I would love to see the full length version of that because it has potential to be a good film. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not a good film, a good movie. A good movie. Oh, okay. But, you know, I mean, there's just so many that really fucking speak for themselves uh a city of lost children okay you take one of those bastards out of the equation and it's a whole different fucking film agreed agreed oh you know okay i don't know if you have anything else as far as you're concerned when it comes to horror films but i i i have one more Pet Cemetery. Oh, God, 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 God damn it. <laughs> you thought I forgot about that one, didn't you? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to forget about it, and it's not even out yet. 
I'm, I'm just gonna sit back and watch you go. Oh God! You remember? Remember how I said that it makes sense to do remakes if they if if the old one doesn't hold up anymore. The old one still holds up. The old one is still fucking terrifying. And 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 the worst th- the worst thing is is now I'm being bombarded with fucking trailers for that shit because it's it's coming out soon and I watch a lot of horror related channels on YouTube. So I'm being bombarded with this trailer over and over and over again and I, I, I don't care how many stupid kids you got marching through a forest, you know, wearing stupid animal masks, banging on a drum. I don't care how many of those you have. I don't care how many, you know, how great the actors are. Because there is one thing that you do not have that made Pet Cemetery, And that is one Fred Gwynn. And this is the worst part because that's the line they're using to promote the fucking movie because of course it is because it's pet cemetery why why do you think i mentioned it i'm just fucking with you at this point and it's 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 literally on it's on the poster it was at the end of the first trailer and now every single small little trailer they're putting at the beginning of every fucking youtube video is exactly that it's that line it's that beautiful line that was spoken by fred gwynn so well and put it in right here well sometimes that is better. Okay, so you take that beautiful fucking line that was put out in such a perfect way by Fred Gwynn and you compare it to this. Sometimes dead is better. Now tell me, which one seems more effective? Which one seems like it makes more sense for the character? I don't know, maybe very obviously the fucking first one? God damn it. And I and I, I understand. I understand why they're doing this fucking remake. I understand. It's because it came out and it was successful. But it was not a remake. It was the first adaptation that was actually a film and not a made-for-TV miniseries. That's where they got it wrong. Pet Cemetery was already a film and it was great. Then they did Pet Cemetery 2, and that was shit. So why do you think that this remake is going to be anything other than shit? I don't. I really, I don't think that. But, uh, you know, oh, that, that was enjoyable. That, that, that was like the podcast version of the Germans opening the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Just watching your face melt. Oh, oh and, and I wish I could say we're done, but... Uh, no, we've, we've got more, because uh, before we move on to the rest of the list, which, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, folks, there was a list at one point, but uh, now we're just fucking messing with Jess at this point, which is fun in, fun in itself, but um, your thoughts on the Doctor Sleep movie coming to uh, Netflix, I believe. Well, uh, if it depends on what they're basing it off of. If they're basing it off of uh, the Stephen King Shining miniseries, it's probably going to be boring as shit. But if they're basing it off of Stanley Kubrick's movie, that's not going to make any sense. So uh, I'm just going to take it for what it is at face value, which is it's about the kid from The Shining all grown up. And we'll see how it is. But when was the last time? Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe Shawshank. But I was going to say, when was the last time that there was a book 
that had a movie based on it, and the movie was as good as the book. But, you know, I mean, there, there have been a few. Uh, there's been one case of Stephen King where the movie was actually better. The Mist. Yep, okay. Point, Reverend Jess. <laughs> like, 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 seriously, like, and, and what's funny is Shawshank, Green Mile, and fucking uh, The Mist were all done by the same guy, which is Frank Darabont, who also went on to do the first season of The Walking Dead. Oh, okay, okay, you, you, you won this hand. Well, but, 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 like, here's the thing, right? The ending of The Mist, the movie, provokes an, provokes an emotion, and that's what makes it a film, not a movie. I mean, whose heart isn't broken in that moment? Oh, that's true. That's, I mean... And, and like, that's the thing. I don't even want to say what happens, because, God forbid, someone hasn't seen The Mist, and I don't want to spoil it for them. But, God damn it, go watch The Mist. But let me let me just give you a fucking fair warning. Because the ending is about as miserable as the ending of Requiem for a Dream. Okay, before before I get depressed right there, uh, let's just try to move on uh, very quickly. Uh, let's see here. You have Beetlejuice. Well, as far as should never be touched. Yeah. Well, should never should never be touched, and they speak for themselves as to why. Agreed. I mean, because here's the thing. Even if you do a sequel, just don't even do it. Because it's like, you caught lightning in a bottle with the first Beetlejuice. Just leave it at that. Yeah, and you narrowly escaped a horrible death for the character in just about every way humanly possible. With the planned sequel, Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian? They they skirted death and they didn't even know it. To quote Kevin Smith, didn't we say all we needed to say with the first Beetlejuice? <laughs> Which, I mean... There's actually, hold on. Um, oh, Howard the Duck, because no matter what Kevin Smith says, shouldn't be touched. Because uh, here's the thing, like, you, I mean, uh, like, that right there is a case of not catching lightning in a bottle, but finally cleaning up all the elephant shit. So why would you let the elephant out again? <laughs> oh, come on. That was a, if you want to talk about enjoyable movies. Enjoyable trash, for sure. Oh, fuck you. Dude, there's duck tits in that movie. Yeah, and your point? Into the trash you go. You know what? You better shut your cock holster. I, I you know, I, I just don't get you. Huh? That was a wonderful, uh, I almost said film, but movie. You little cunt. That was a wonderful movie. There's no defending Howard the Duck. I will defend it until my last dying breath. They shouldn't have put him in the MCU because that movie should never have been touched because it was perfectly enjoyable the way it was. You are you are being a real Howard the Cuck right now. You know what? I fart in your general direction and your mother was a hamster. Your father smelt of elderberries. And we're, let's fucking move on. Anything by Monty Python. Don't touch it. Anything by Monty Python. Anything by Mel Brooks. Agreed. Back to the Future. Yeah, well, the good news. Robert Zemeckis, you brilliant bastard. In your contract, you stated that this movie could never be remade. Props to you. Yes, and instead, you forced them, basically, to try to continue the story with a Telltale game. Which, to be fair, it yeah, the Telltale game was a lot of fun. Hell yeah. 
Even though, surprisingly, Doc has gone from sounding about 40 to about 80, but, uh, you know. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, there, there, there is that. Like, although, and I would say it's just because there was so much time between movies, or, you know, the movies and the games, but then fucking that wouldn't explain why Marty sounds the fucking same. Oh, that's heavy, that's heavy, Doc. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Doctor Strangelove and 2001 Space Odyssey. Let's just say any Kubrick movie, because God forbid someone tries to remake Lolita nowadays, because with everything that's going on with the Me Too movement and all the Hollywood pedophile shit, oh, that wouldn't go over well. No, no, it would not. And and, and for, for those of you saying, well, it kind of worked in American Beauty, look what happened to Kevin Spacey, so. Well, I'd rather not look at what happened to him. But, um. And that's such a bummer, too. That's such a bummer that he turned out to be a creep because it ruins my enjoyment of that movie because that is a fucking good movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, this whole idea of doing The Crow with Jason Momoa, go fuck yourself. Fuck yourself long. Fuck yourself hard. Fuck yourself no lube. Because I hate to break it to you, but no one is going to do The Crow justice. If anything, the sequels fucking prove that. Because every single person who did a fucking Crow sequel was just trying to be Brandon Lee, and it didn't fucking work. I wish they would have gotten shot instead of Brandon Lee. Ouch. I would say too soon, but nothing's too soon on this show. Uh, I would have said shots fired. (laughs) Right to the face. (laughs) But, uh, okay, Clockwork Orange. Again, should not be touched. Uh, let's see here. Princess Bride, and if you, I, I'll take that you disagree with me on Howard the Duck, but if you disagree with me on fucking Princess Bride, I'll use small words so you that you're sure to understand. You warthog face buffoon, I will fuck you up. Well, uh, here's the thing: the only reason I would want to see a Princess Bride remake is if they replaced Andre the Giant's character with Braun Strowman. <laughs> That would actually be one of the moves that would make me just lose all interest in the whole goddamn project. Why would you want that? (laughs) I don't know. Just because it's like, you know, just a prime example of like why this shouldn't happen. Yes. And, you know, speaking of casting, though, I love the casting so far on this next one, but still fuck that noise because it shouldn't be touched. And the funny thing is, it's not even the original version of itself, Dune. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. You know what movie I want so bad, but yet it's still on the list? Highlander. I would love to have them find another way to breathe life into that fucking franchise, and yet I, I, I... there's still a part of me that feels like after the series on USA, it should have died. And even that went on too long. And then you don't have fucking Connery as a Spaniard with a fucking... He's a Spaniard with a Scottish accent. I, I, I don't fucking get that. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's sometimes hard to hide the accent. So when they ask you to play a Spaniard, you just you just do it, you know. Your best? Losers always cry about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Oh, that that's the thing. No, that's another one. Don't ever touch The Rock, because it's the only Michael Bay movie that's actually fun to watch. I mean, you have one of, the, one of my favorite Nicolas Cage lines that's ever uttered, which is, 
How in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell? <laughs> but I mean, it's just a, it's it's such a great movie. Okay, when did it when did it come out? Nineteen ninety six. It took me from ninety six all the way to roughly about two thousand fifteen before I stumbled upon that it was Michael Bay having directed the movie yeah and there's a couple movies that i'll be i'll say this there's a couple movies that i'm surprised aren't from michael bay yeah yeah like i i I was surprised to learn that con air is not a michael bay movie which is saying something because i fucking love con air yeah and uh actually that reminds me of uh, a movie that should have been on this list as far as ones that speak for themselves but wasn't uh and i'm now ashamed of that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because several times is enough. You should just leave it the fuck alone. Let it die. The three in the early 90s were too many because by the time you got to the third one, they were traveling in time. And then after that, you know, it was almost like Michael Bay looked at those movies and realized, well, what what kind of damage could I do? Oh, I know. Let's have Johnny Knoxville play Leonardo. Uh, fuck that shit. Oh god, that that just um, I I uh, before I go and have a fucking mini stroke, let's move on. Uh, let's see here. Do you have any others that you would like to talk about? Uh, as far as uh, remakes, yeah, just anything really. Now we've gone so far off track several times that we're we're just we're just freeballing it here people uh well i mean there's plenty of them that should never be touched just because you can't you won't be able to match the epicness of the original like for example i would say that you know like the the cornetto trilogy you should definitely leave alone because nobody is edgar wright except for edgar wright um i don't think they should ever remake scott pilgrim because scott pilgrim was extremely well done and perfect everything you know everything it needed to be it was harry potter yeah harry potter uh because who the fuck is going to replace alan rickman as snape yeah again i i know i've made i've at least flirted with this point uh earlier but there are so many that if you take one little aspect of it one whether it be someone in front of the camera or behind it it turns into a completely different project Sin City, fucking Die Hard. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dirty Harry. Oh fuck me, Dirty Harry. God damn. Just th- just think about anybody else playing Dirty Harry, especially like nowadays. Like, who are they gonna get to play him? Fucking Benedict Cumberbatch. Which actually kind of m- makes me curious. Who in the hell would play anyone in Tombstone? Which is also on the list. Oh, God. I mean, nobody. Nobody. You cannot... Every Everybody, everyone from Michael Biehn to fucking Sam Elliott for as little bit that he's on the fucking screen. And do not forget the brilliant performance of Doc Holliday by Val Kilmer. Can you imagine anybody else saying, I'm your Huckleberry? I mean, come on, dude. Think about any other actor. Like, think about Nicolas Cage saying that line. Well, Johnny Ringo, uh, you look like someone walked over your grave. What about the scene with Billy Bob Thornton? Can you imagine a 
I mean, fuck, not even that, but also Powers Booth, dude. I mean, there, there's so many lines delivered by so many in that fucking movie that if you replaced one actor with anybody else, it would totally change the delivery of the line, let alone the whole film altogether. All right, I'll, I'm going to play a scenario for you. Okay, bring it on, bring it on. It is the scene where Mr. Wyatt Earp is walking at a dedicated pace, firing the shotgun. No, 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 right? But imagine this. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, Fuck Rogan. Fuck, fuck, fuck him. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> Why do you think I kept talking about you know, different people delivering different lines in that movie? I was I was hoping to get there eventually. <laughs> I, 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 yes, yes, yes. I was fucking baiting you. I don't care. <laughs> uh, you're yeah, welcome. You bastard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, okay. Um, Anything from the Coen brothers. Oh, yeah. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Like, and, and that's and it's funny because they even the Coen brothers have done yeah, two remakes. Yeah, that's yeah. You're right. Yeah, they did. They did True Grit and they did the Lady Killers. The Lady Killers, starring uh, in part Tom Hanks, which is it's funny because Castaway is on my list of ones that shouldn't be touched. Okay, I mean I could see that. I, I don't know. Castaway to me is a bit overrated as far as a film. But, you know, I can understand, you know, but, but here's the thing, you can't really take that theme away because, you know, someone being stranded on an island is not necessarily an original theme, but I would say that dedicating the whole movie to it is something that shouldn't happen again. They did all they could do with Castaway. You know, speaking of never dedicating a full movie to any one idea ever again, what about... Anything having to do with the Aliens franchise past number two? I think Alien 3 is is uh, underrated. Because here's the thing. David Fincher only, could, you know, he, he had a script and he worked with it. And I think given the script, because the script is not that strong, but given what he did with it, I think it, I think it's underrated. Alien Resurrection, there's no excuse for. Only reason I tend to give alien resurrection any sort of pass whatsoever is just because it's because of ron perlman you know he keeps teasing on twitter that he's going to undo the undoing and run for president I, i'm just waiting to see him actually announce you know which i know is never going to happen but i still wait for it but yeah i mean anything from fucking resurrection to star trek nemesis I give a pass to because, well, if, if for no other reason than Perlman, I mean, there are other reasons, but we'll start with that and go on. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's, I think to, to bring this to a closing point, the sad part is all of this, all of these, you know, this list of shit that shouldn't have been touched and shit that shouldn't be touched is utterly hopeless with the way that, Hollywood is going. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you've got a good point there, but, uh, you know, bringing it to a closing point, I, I still have things like Planet of the Apes. I mean, that speaks for itself. Marky Mark is no Charlton Heston. What's going on here, guys? What? 
what's what's the deal with this planet? Why is why is it full of apes? I mean, can you imagine like the like that line, like the very famous line? Hey, get get your balls off me, you damn dirty ape! What's wrong with you? Huh? What's going on? <laughs> okay, point taken. Okay, point taken. Damn you! Damn you! Damn you all to hell! What are you doing? But then, what, what about okay? They live. That's also on the list. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Galaxy Quest. If for no other reason than Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, and let's face it, the way that they portray cons. For sure. And just, I mean, if nothing else, I have to assume that the cast of the original Star Trek had to have stood up in just uproarous cheer when it showed the way that they just look so over cons. I mean, just the moment where Alan Rickman, you know, the fan walks up to him, you know, the fat fan with the thick rim glasses, and just goes, by Kraptar's hammer, I shall avenge you. And he just snatches the picture away from him and signs it and throws it back at him. Like, you know Spock was feeling that at some point. If at some point you mean for several years, yeah, yeah. But let's see here. Um, Conan, because just... Arnold, please let it die. Well, not only that, but but I mean, they tried to do a Conan. Uh, they did a Conan remake in 2011, and it was fucking awful. I bashed myself in the head with a hammer until I forgot about that. So thank you. Well, here's what we do: we do Conan, we do a remake of Conan with Mark Wahlberg as Conan. Help me vanquish my enemies, huh? What what's going on here? You're not going to help me? Well, then to hell with you. To hell with you. <laughs> Okay, okay, uh, I got one for you. I got one for you. Admit it, you'd watch that movie. You would watch that movie. I would, and, and <laughs> you, know, you know what? Okay, okay. Mortal Kombat, because it shouldn't have been made, but I think that we're ready for one more go-around, one more try to right that wrong. And who would you put in that movie? Yeah, let's get it, let's give it a, let's give it a hard R, right? And then, you know, obviously you gotta have Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing Goro. Okay, I like it so far. I mean, tell, am I wrong there? No. Am I no, wrong there? No. I mean, like, okay, so we got the Dwayne the Rock Johnson playing Goro. Sonya Blade. I don't know who should play Sonya Blade. Probably just because we're doing a full star-studded cast, I think you should put someone in there that could fight. So I think someone like Ronda Rousey. I don't well, know. I think she's already going to portray Sonya Blade uh, or at least somebody in the next game, actually. Well, there you go. Yeah. What, is she just doing, like, mocap or something? I believe so. Well, either way, there you go. Right? So you do that. Uh, Johnny Cage, I would say just because of, like, the full-of-himself attitude and someone who could be, like, a pretty boy action hero, stuff like that, I'd say you give Johnny Cage to um, to someone like Channing Tatum. And as far as Liu Kang, anybody from the Raid Redemption's fight team could play Liu Kang. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, like that's how I genuinely feel. I think it would be really cool to have Raiden be played by, I don't know, maybe a Liam Neeson if he can hide yeah. the accent. Okay. Because Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson, you know, he looks believable yeah. in a fighting sequence. And then, you know, just like, you know, your one-off characters, I mean... For someone like Baraka, you know what I mean? You you want someone who is more fluid in their motion, you know what I mean? So, you know, I mean, realistically, you can get... I would say someone like the guy who played uh, the clown from It yeah, in the okay. remake, Skarsgård. 
he would be a good Baraka. Like I, I, I don't know why the, I don't know why this turned into like a fantasy booking of a new Mortal Kombat movie, but I, I'm kind of enjoying it. Well, I mean, w- w- would you rather we fantasy book Street Fighter because that wasn't on the list and it should never have been made to begin with and shouldn't be remade? But uh, I mean, we can still but do tell it. Me, but tell me, tell me that Raul Julia is not a fucking beauty in that movie. He's the only fucking beauty in that movie. And that's another thing. Speaking of Raul Julia. Speaking of Raul Julia, do not touch the Adams family anymore. No, no. You will never, you will never have a good Gomez that will replace Raul Julia. Raul Julia was Gomez Adams in those movies. I'll tell you what, though, man. Fucking what a loss. Just like his performance as Gomez was was enough, because he is so so good in that movie, and him and Christopher Lloyd play off each other so well. Yeah. They they fucking do. I mean, for fuck's sake, the mamushka scene in the first Adams Family. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just God, what a loss. Yes, it was. It it really fucking was. But I'd like to just point out two more movies, and then we'll uh, be on our merry way. Baron Munchausen. Okay, definitely. It it was beautifully portrayed by an ensemble cast. And the script was amazingly artsy in its own way, but, you know, slightly dark. I mean, kind of fucked up. I mean, that's Terry Gilliam for you, bud. I mean, in all honesty, like, he, you want to talk about nailing that, that really arty, but also kind of disturbing? Just look at stuff like Brazil and, and uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in fairness, it probably won't be remade. Because luckily, and I, I know I'm going to probably get flack for this, but listen to my reasoning when I say it. Luckily, it bombed in the box office. And the reason I say luckily is because it allowed this thing to be almost a hidden gem. And, and to me, I'll be honest, some of my favorite movies made jack shit at the box office. So, I mean... You know, to me, the box office doesn't indicate anything but a poor marketing job. And let's be honest, is the box office really that important? Because shit like The Nun made a fuck ton at the box office and is a reprehensible excuse for a movie. So, <laughs> yeah. And look how successful the Transformers movies are. I, I, why do you do this to me? Oh, God. Why? You see my I, point, I though. Do, you see I... my point. In all seriousness, though, the good news about it being a box office bomb is it allows it to maintain the cult status that it deserves. Because I will say this as much as I love, and I do mean love, all of the Monty Python movies, I will say that of all of them, Holy Grail is probably my least favorite. The fuck you Because say? of the oversaturation. I'm serious. I'm not saying I don't love Holy Grail. There's a reason I have the collector's edition. But I will say that is my least favorite because of the oversaturation of it. Which one's your favorite, just out of curiosity? Life of Brian. Okay. So for me, it goes Brian, Grail, then Meaning of Life. But, like, that's the thing. Because because the Holy Grail is literally the most accessible because of the 
tame rating in comparison to the other Python films, it's it's become oversaturated. You know what I mean? You don't see a lot of Life of Brian merch. You see even less Meaning of Life merch. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. But you know, for me, the reason I put Brian at the top is because of the understated little moments. Well, and not only that, but like you know, just just the whole ridiculousness of it. Just, I mean, the biggest dickest scene is hilarious. He has a wife, you know. Right. Well, but like that's the thing. Like watching watching Michael Palin in that scene where he's trying to be pissed off but when he's doing that whole spiel when he's just like when i say the name biggest dickus you can see that he's trying so hard not to break and here's the thing you know they did a shit ton of takes so can you imagine how many takes that he didn't get through and that's the take we got where he's right on the border of breaking so much that he even cracks a smile. And like, that's the thing. It's, it's shit like that. And, and because of moments like that, that I appreciate Baron Munchausen because it's, it's, it's literally, like I said, it, it, it could, it's basically a Monty Python movie, but it was just too many years too late. You know yeah, what I mean? And anyone who disagrees with that, watch the bit of it that has Robin Williams and tell me that's not at least slightly python-esque oh for sure i mean like that's the thing it's it's basically like that's the thing it's a python movie that that americans were allowed to come in yes yes and 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 you know what it's it's great and luckily like you said and this is not intending to promote hate from the massive droves of baron munchausen fans but luckily it didn't make enough noise to warrant a remake that you, it is just it, it exists in this ether where it's going to be left alone, and that's wait, a good thing. But wait, wait, wait! Y- you mean there are others? <laughs> oh, you you haven't been going to the meetings? Meetings? <laughs> there were meetings all this time. We meet every Thursday. There's crumb cake. Oh, you fuckers! God damn you! <laughs> you just fire me from the show. <laughs> I can't fire I can't fire you from the show. You are the Messiah. I should know I followed a few. <laughs> oh, I got one more. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. Because I wanted to go out on a on a hell of a note. And I know that me and you tend to look at that movie quite differently. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. That's all that's all I get. I'm just I'm not you already pissed me off way too much on the fucking on the fucking pet cemetery shit, man. I mean, and I know it's not technically a remake; it's more of a, I guess, a continuation of the franchise. But I, to me, it it, it just felt like a hell of a note to go off on because yes, this was a list of a certain type, but this was also supposed to be a a, a little bit of a appetizer for a claim and shame. And I can't think of anything better yeah. to go off of uh, in that facet than... Just something we disagree on. <laughs> to something that we disagree on, because there's going to probably be plenty of those fucking movies. I'll just, I'll put it to you this way. I understand the issues you have with it, but at the same time, like, it is literally a more concise, more grindhousey feeling version of The Road Warrior. 
And, you know, because The Road Warrior is just a chase movie, man. Like, that's all it is. I, w- I will say, it does just kind of, like, from the get-go, hit, you know, 100 miles an hour and continue that. It's really the Megadeth concert of movies in that aspect. Fury Road is not a film. None of none of Mad Max has ever been a film. They've just they've all they've all just been movies, and yeah. and that's the thing. You can't you can't go in there expecting a film, and and you can't you, you just can't right. Like yeah, there's a dude fucking riding a a vehicle that's just one giant amp, and he you know plays a guitar that shoots fire, and it's fucking incredible. It's like it's that's all it is. It's just it's fucking badass. Well, like, if I went into every movie ever having expected a film i wouldn't enjoy shit like fucking as you've lovingly pointed out howard the duck you asshole or or even fucking 1989's batman i mean i love there are movies that i absolutely adore and just you know coddle on some kind of pedestal yeah i'll fucking admit that but this was just to me is shit it's entertaining. You say there's moments in it that are funny. I don't know. And that. and it's it's just it's good shit. It's good shit. And you know what? Haven't you ever heard of the healing power of laughter? <laughs> if, if if there's one thing that that movie did, it is make me laugh. I'll give you that. It's just a thrill ride, man. Just in, it's like hardcore Henry. It's not meant to be taken seriously. Just enjoy uh, it. I, but it made me laugh for. Oh, what a lovely day, man! Uh, I don't know about lovely, but it the day for us is over because that was the end of the list. Thank goodness. And uh, yeah, we're uh, we're done here, folks. Uh, you can catch me at at the Fickle Fanboy RPM uh, on Twitter and at the Fickle Fanboy Podcast. On Instagram, uh, at the Fickle Fanboy Facebook page. You can find me on Twitter at RevJess underscore FL Radio. You can find my podcast, The Church Absurd, available at SoundCloud.com slash The Church Absurd. Also available on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, all your favorite podcast apps. You can find the network's official Twitter at Fat Lulz Radio. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook on everything. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you be sure to check out all the other Fat Lulz Radio shows, including my show including uh, the designated drinkers good nerdy guys uh make sure to check out unseriously serious and uh if you want to get involved with our network submit one of your nerd rants to fat radio at gmail.com for our league of infuriated nerds project yes, and you know and by now we probably should have at least given a shout out to the uh the network's tumblr <laughs> oh yeah it, it exists. It hasn't been updated in two years. Uh, I need to start updating that more and actually treat it like a blog, like it needs to be. But yeah, definitely check out all the other shit. It's good shit and it's enjoyable. And be sure to check out Acclaim and Shame. We're looking at two movies per episode, one that is critically acclaimed, one that is critically reviled, and determining whether the critics are right. It's going to be a very fun time. I'm looking forward to it quite a bit, especially after these conversations we've had on these past few episodes about movies. Absolutely. I, I can't fucking wait. Yeah, and, and guys, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a like on it. Leave a comment. We want to be, we want to be more active with our listeners. You know what I mean? We want to have, have conversations with you guys. And 
you know, just just if you want to, just you know, just take your pants off. Take your pants off and ours are already off. Send a picture of your of your lovely genitals uh, to the fickle fan. <laughs> Oh God, no! Please don't! Please don't! That, oh. That's that's another that's another piece of homework for you guys as as listeners. I want you to take a picture of you, make it a gif, take a video and make a gif of you dipping your balls in a nice. Don't send us pictures of it. Just just do it. No, no, just, no. Just... Send 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 RPM pictures of that. It like ficklefanboy at gmail. I don't know why you're making me the middleman because you know as soon as I get them, you're just gonna ask me to forward you the pictures. Exactly, and then we'll put it on a t- we'll put them on we'll put them on a T-shirt. It'll be part of the fickle fanboy merch. Oh no! Rewind a little bit to when Jess was telling you where you can find him on social media and send it to him directly. And I will send it to RPM. I will get them printed at a Walgreens full at a Walmart photo center on a beautiful poster print, and I will send it to RPM. Fuck! Well, look. Wait, 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 wait. I just realized. Luckily, you. What, do you have my address? Yes, I do. Shit! <laughs> You're going to get testicle pictures. You know what? Before you start digging yourself a deeper hole and getting more work, we're done here. Uh, I, I just, uh, I have nothing more to say, uh, especially to Jess, you fucking ass. Uh, but uh, anyway. I try. I try. <laughs> you don't try hard enough. But... Remember, folks, this has been a Fat Lols Radio production. To hear more shows like this, go to soundcloud.com slash Radio. And as always, we'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing you. you.